Hey, look at this hat. I think you have this hat. Uh, I have that hat in red. I think it's pretty good. It's a good hat. RJ Young said, RJ Young of the RJ Young Show, um, famed novelist. Stand up, dude. Ch- wait, like stand up chum. Man, man about town. Radio personality said Baker Mayfield's hat looks dumb, and I'll I'll allow it. Some people could say this looks dumb, but I think this I think this hat's dope. I think it's fine. I'd wear it. I have that hat, so. So as I was saying, I think that uh, I may have. I think I might talk too much, or better yet, I don't steer the the ship enough. I'm sorry, I steer the ship too much. I don't mind. And I so, feel like we co steer the ship. So. Yeah, but I I kind of want this to be more your thing than my thing. I know it's our thing. But at least for this. For this episode. At the very least. At the very least. Okay. Mm-hmm. To be fair. To be fair. Um, so, hey, are you ready to start? I guess so. Okay, let's go. All right. Did you have a good week, Ron? <laughs> I had. <laughs> I had a week. Um, I would say that this week has been very long. Uh. And it's made me think about a few things that I I, I didn't I didn't expect you know for last year because uh, last year last week kind of talked about you know the reason why we had we're doing this is for mm-hmm. um, to I don't know prove things to ourselves but also uh, one hang out check in on each other yep but this is this is kind of a manifestation of just wanting to complete stuff right. Creative people's yep. collaborating. And um, I realized that, or I say I realized, but I, I've been working to maybe a, a, a conclusion that uh, that my New Year's resolutions, um, the things that I kind of wanted to fix or improve about myself are kind of addressing symptoms with more symptoms. And, uh, you know, I caught myself thinking like, oh, maybe I'm backsliding a little bit on things that I said I was going to do. And I thought, why am I kind of getting trapped into these things? And it's because that I was, you know, think of this. If somebody, if you wanted to be happy and, uh, well, that's a very, like, if you want to be happy, true. But like, say you said, Hey Ron, I want to be, or better yet, I said, Hey Kate, Mm -hmm. I'd like to be happy. You'd be kind of a jerk to say, well, have you tried being happy? Yeah. Right. But I was I think that I've come over the past week um, that that what that's what I've been trying to do. Have you tried to enjoy making things Uh, by making things that you enjoy? Uh, uh. (laughs) So I'm going to continue to do this, but this podcast, because I think it's a a cool thing to do. But I might reassess some other things in my life. Well, yeah. How's your week been? Oh, it's been fine. I can't say I did. I have worked somewhere in scripts, which was one thing that I said that I was going to do. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's just kind of been a week. I played a lot of video games, <laughs> um, which is good. Yeah, I guess I've thought a lot. I've thought a lot about, like, as as you know, I've been wanting to try to get into like short filmmaking and, or at least make short films to something closer to feature length. Um, so I've been thinking just generally a lot about that. So the sort of technical aspects and 
I subscribed to a lot of other subreddits <laughs> recently. Um, like know, filmmaking yeah, ones? Like or filmmaking, okay. you know, production, that sort of thing. Just trying to get a good sense of how to tackle everything that I want to tackle. So, uh, and, yeah, and if I could just kind of go back to what you were saying a little bit, like sort of, you know, there's all these things in people's lives that they think will make them happy and that we, like, think that we enjoy. Uh, and... Sometimes that's not actually true in an odd way. Um, no, that's, yeah, absolutely. Well, <laughs> well, you know, because, I mean, it's, you kind of monkey paw yourself whenever you say, like, uh, I'm going to do the things that make you, yeah. me happy. But I don't think a lot of people realize what that is. And they, mm -hmm. they glom onto the things that gave them joy without breaking down why they received joy from mm -hmm. it in the first place. Yeah. I think also people like underestimate, particularly with creative projects, if I might say underestimate the amount of work that has to go into it. And I think that movies and films like, you know, they, there's always like that person in the movie that's like, I'm just naturally like good at photography. I'm naturally good at drawing. And you, you can have natural talent, of course, but you won't necessarily be successful unless you work hard with it. And I feel like, you know, just generally as a society, people kind of don't understand the like struggle and sacrifice too. Mm -hmm. And that is not an enjoyable thing <laughs> to be participating in. I, and I found this a lot with academic writing is like, I really disliked sort of being arbitrarily graded on subjective things. Right. Like, that's one of my biggest pet peeves. It's like, it was all down to basically what my professor, you know, his mood was in. And sometimes, like, with some professors, like, I knew for a fact they didn't even read what I wrote. Mm -hmm. But they still, like, well, the, you know, the, the gist of your argument was this. So, like, blah, blah, blah. You know? So. No, I mean, to me... Uh, going through school, uh, the critiques were my my favorite part because I have this uh, imposter syndrome that I, I don't mm -hmm. I don't feel good about the things that I make, and and no matter how many times people ask me for my expertise or tell me that my thing is good, I'm thinking I'm just doing it because they're my friend. <laughs> um, they just do this because they like me, which is you know good. I'm glad people like me. But it doesn't make you feel good to 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 have somebody I don't know placate you or you mm -hmm. know um, try to like soothe you like you're a baby. And I know that's not what they're doing, but it feels that way. So, but for the as to to talk about say critiques or people talking about or 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 working through the thing that you have. I wanted people just to rip me up because mm -hmm. at least I know that, you know, that they, no, they see something in it. So, you know, I, 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 I say that I want to get better, but I, you also have to take the positive criticism yes. with the negative criticism. And that's a thing that well, I've already been here 30 plus years, I guess I just going to take <laughs> a few more years for me to, to work on that. Like, and I'm not saying too that like I mind constructive criticism because that is like the most important for growth and you need people to be honest with you i i think i just don't like people making up stuff just to say something and i feel like that happens a lot in sort of the modern twitter 
verse. It's like, oh, I've got to say something. Oh, I yeah. have to comment something. No stone can be left unturned, or at least at the very least, like nudged. Yeah. I've got to, I've got to jump in this. If uh, if your friends were jumping off a bridge, yeah. would you too jump off a bridge? Well, I think that a lot of people probably would. Uh, absolutely. Like we're, <laughs> absolutely. if they're jumping, I'm jumping too. Yeah. And then we're going to jump off the next one. Otherwise, I won't have the, people are going to be taught. They're going to be in the hospital talking about the time that they jumped off the bridge. And here I am just with this fear of missing out. Just 100% FOMO. <laughs> um, where we go from there? I'm not quite sure either. It's it's just kind of a thing that exists, you know. Yeah. I was about to say that's you know this is very heady for, um, like the first the, ten minutes of the podcast. Oh well, no, saying like you, you lived seven days since the last time that we that yeah, we sat we down spoke, like this, yeah. um, and apparently you've you know or at least I have realized that I am a completely different person than I was a week ago, <laughs> and need to drastically changed direction and uh you had brunch <laughs> i did i had brunch earlier today <laughs> so uh and i'm glad that you cheated on our regular brunch group with your new brunch group so i don't know if it's a new brush gr- brunch group like since i with one other person so <laughs> maybe one day we can marry these two worlds and well, then... be a bigger larger happier See, we've we've had this conversation before of like trying to combine friend groups and sometimes it just doesn't work. But um I I mean like in the grand scheme of things, not specifically in our case. <laughs> um but then it wins. But like if everybody could seamlessly combine like their friend groups, like it would just be like way too many people. Because what is it? We can only like we can only handle like hundred and fifty or so like associations or some, like you know mm-hmm. there's been that sociological study that talks about like the human village and like what a natural human village is is like 150 people yeah you, you just you don't have enough room and you're literally and figuratively for that many people uh mm-hmm. to, to to live in your head room uh rent free yep the and it like you're of course so everybody that you're that is your friend and everybody that your friends is friends with if they all got together like yeah it would be we would be in the superdome and you know, <laughs> it's just packed full of like i guess we're having brunch together but i mean that would be kind of a cool i'm sorry i didn't mean to interrupt you um it's okay that's what we do oh yeah that's true we do that occasionally but wouldn't that be kind of like a cool artist you know like we're going to get all of these people like we're going to start out with one person and we're just going to like six degrees of Kevin Bacon it and get all of these people like, you know, into the Superdome. And like it would like I think it would show like the interconnectedness of humans. I think it'd be a cool like art project. I mean, it would be Facebook in real life, which no, that sounds terrible <laughs> every which way you slice it. <laughs> I think it. I mean, yeah, as an art project, we absolutely should make that happen. Um, it would be great. Give us a Pulitzer. Yep, give or, us a Pulitzer. Um, a residency at name a museum. The Met. Thank you. Yes. I don't know if we could fit that many people in the Met. Uh, we'll take pictures. We'll, we'll, <laughs> we'll paint about it. But the, the so it's not so much that we get everybody that we like because for the most part we have curated our friends and not to say that we've uh intentionally segregated them but 
you look at the friends that you have and you look at other friends that you have um, among all the friends that you have and you think these two groups would go well together Mm -hmm. and they almost never do yeah it's very strange it's really weird like on paper if you put everything on paper completely should meld but for some reason they don't it's weird I wonder if that's kind of um, the the sort of grouping, like those two groups have already formed all of their inner relationships, and so they don't really want anything outside. And so maybe that causes the tension, too, of like, we don't want to reshuffle any of these relationships. So, Well, yeah, I mean, it's, it's like you said, we only have the the study that you cited someplace. Some place that I read once that I can't remember exactly internet, where it which is. Which sounds true, so <laughs> that I so I'm going to believe it. That you only have a certain amount of room in your heart for people. That goes for them as well. So you've introduced a stranger or a a mild acquaintance to them. And you say, okay, no, not necessarily now kiss, but now make friends. You're friends now because I'm friends with you. Therefore, but the power, the transitive power of friendship, you two are friends. (laughs) And it never really works out like that. I've had a few i don't want to say disastrous lunch dates but they were they were train wrecks mm-hmm. it's just five to six people sitting there pretty much just talking to me yep I'm like i don't and i don't like that type of attention in the first place all of you are my friends is because uh you guys kind of like keep me around so i don't know if i could have i don't know <laughs> if i could accept this new dynamic of being the linchpin of of people and i don't know maybe maybe we just have to try harder maybe that's maybe know. effort do is we, the key <laughs> do we have to put i mean yes if we wanted to have do we i guess that's the thing have you given up is this one of those that we no longer need to try to i don't think create I've given larger up. I, groups i do i do think that exposure to other human beings who think differently than you is very important because you can kind of get an echo chamber with your own friendship, like friend groups, I think. Because for the most part... I would say that echo chambers are the point of friend groups, though. Well, but they also don't... With with exceptions, of course. I think that, like, for instance, our friendship, we are constantly like, here's new things, like, we're, like, thinking about things. But I feel like a lot of other people's friend groups that I've observed, particularly, like, nerd groups, like, there's not really a whole lot of new... Like, if I could say new ideas coming in, like new media comes in, mm-hmm. but there's not new ways of thinking about that new media. It's more like, oh, here's this new show. It's really similar to these other shows I liked, and let's talk about the show. But we're not, but we're not talking about like, you know, well, why is this show like this other show, and why didn't it do anything different? You know, it's, like, it's like, like a the, subtle the, difference. The diversity of ideas yeah. it gets pared down. Yeah. Mm. Uh, that's a conversation that me and, and Tyler have often uh, about uh, the, the type of conversations that show up in group dynamics. Because, you know, like you say, we're in the nerd stuff. And so he'll bring up a nerd thing that has a nerd following with a nerd demographic. And that nerd demographic is very particular. And sometimes there's a controversy that happens within the the activity. And I look at it and say, well, 
of course that would happen because there's not a these people are are all brought together by this particular thing that they're all for the most part friends it's not as if you have this activity and everybody's like enemies where you know of course there's going to be like conflict but there's almost no conflict and so whenever somebody brings up a particular controversy or a problematic uh situation um it's just not so much that it's ignored that they were just blind to it in the first Mm -hmm. place yeah well i think it's really funny. I'm going to talk about Dungeons and Dragons real quick because, you know, you no, have... No, this is now a Dungeons and Dragons podcast. <laughs> this is now a Dungeons and Dragons um, podcast. Or any kind role of... Role for conversation. Role play, like, you know, pen and paper role playing, sort of. You you meet people, a lot of times it's the same group of people, sometimes who have been gaming together for just, you know, years Forever. and years, like, since they were kids. And so they've known that group of people... And so if you say, like, oh, can I come and play D&D with you guys? And they're just like, hard no. No one knew. Um, it's kind of, and sometimes it's, like, when I was younger, I'm not sure if many people run into this now. Like, I had, like, D&D groups who didn't want to game with me because I was a woman. Um, <laughs> when a they, woman? Yes. Yeah, well, Dungeon. sorry. When I'm I was sorry, a girl. A girl. A girl. Because I, I was definitely a girl at the time. I can't even fathom. Yeah, I know. And But they were role-playing as women characters. <laughs> so, like, they had women characters in their games a lot of times. So it was right. really weird on that level. And then as I got older, it was people were very confused that I was an unattached girl. Quote, slash woman wanting to play. Oh, D&D. you were an unaccompanied woman. Yes, I was an unaccompanied woman, just like, <laughs> yeah. Like I said, I'm I'm not sure exactly if it's like because I, you know, I kind of have people that I game with and stuff like that now. Mm-hmm. So like, I'm not like trying to muscle in on anyone's group. So <laughs> so I don't know if it's you know the same, like exactly the same anymore. But yeah, that was definitely a thing when I was. I would say with like the explosion of the look at me be a media maven. The explosion of role playing games <laughs> in the mainstream spaces. Uh but I mean there's there's D and D shows on uh television. One of the biggest Twitch streams is Critical Role. Yep, Critical Role. Um Everybody and their dad has a a podcast about where they just play the game, unedited, real play. So I I and I think what that has done is that it's exposed people that no normally wouldn't get the the nerd tag. Maybe they would. Maybe the 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 people that make the stuff would consider themselves, but from you know thirty feet, they just look like a regular fashionable human being. Mm-hmm. That you know doesn't fit the stereotype and i like the stereotype still exists we run into them but mm-hmm. for the most part like that's actually when when you comes down to seeing who plays it uh especially you know um in media format it's everybody yep and so i would say that you your experience is something that i don't think you would find anymore if you mm-hmm. were just to go out there and search for a new game with people because because you being you and the connections that you have and the yeah. friends that you've made and the lives that you live, the D&D group that you would find um, now, brand mm-hmm. new, would be, I bet, 
five to six other women kind of like you. Well, and and that is um didn't you, didn't you find a, didn't you find people more. like that when you were in England? So I actually did. I ran a I I DM GM. Well, like we're getting into like how nerdy I am, and I did run a game that was entirely women there, um, which was really interesting and nice. Um, in a different way than you know playing with a. Well, I mean, what are the differences between going going from like an all dude table to an all lady table? So the main difference I observed is. And I'm speaking in very general terms, and I'm not no being... drag people. What drag people? Let 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 them know. Air it out. <laughs> yeah, name names. Ro- roast like... everybody. Now, one one thing that I find there's usually at least like one or two straight up murder hobos mm-hmm. at the table, and those people just want to play the game, fight stuff, uh, and like loot get the like get gear and that sort of thing and they're not as interested in the sort of talking aspects of the whole thing and how i run my games by the way anyone who's listening you could hire me to dm if you want or you know even if you put in a nice request i might do it anyway just <laughs> just uh we'll, we'll start know. a patreon and we'll start we'll, a patreon we'll have a, um a level where you can have so like the five dollar level i'll dm your game it'll be bad <laughs> it'll be real bad but at the five hundred dollar uh, level, we'll write you a. <laughs> I'm promising this. Kate will write you a, a custom campaign. I mean, yeah, <laughs> with, with tons of u- campaign, un- unique loot. Yep, tons of unique loot, and um, I do like because I do voice acting as well. I can do voices and the whole thing. So there we go. <laughs> can I be part of your? Uh, we've never gamed together other than like. So we we've done board games and we've we have now played some video games together. Right. I'm not sure if Fortnite really counts, but <laughs> then then that's the thing that I wanted I want to get done in 2020 is to play a role playing game with you. Mm-hmm. And we, also we could you know do it like stream it. <laughs> I actually think that would be a pretty good. We might do that down the line. We'll yeah, see. We'll see. We'll but see. I, I would love to um, be at the table with you because there's times where like. Guess I guess technically we have already done that, but in a really weird way because mm-hmm. I because I work nights and I don't have a lot of opportunities to hang out with my friends. Like this is this is one of the few times that I do it, and I'm like I'm dog tired doing it. <laughs> uh, so like we had a game where I was one third of a character, and also I never showed up, and also our character is dead. So. Um, <laughs> We did a great job. That's right, you did do that that mm-hmm. whole shared character. That was that was an interesting concept. I've never really seen anybody do that before. I would actually love to explore it again whenever we had more time because I, yeah. I mean, it, you know, it was it was a it was a character made out of necessity where you might have three people who just might not be there uh, at any or at the same time at any given time. So I thought it was good. I thought it was cool. Mm-hmm. I like somebody has. I was about to say, I like a character with schizophrenia, but um, but a character with multiple personalities diegetically. I guess I think it's pretty cool. No, that no. I every, thought... every time that they wake up or like at the drop of a hat or every time the, the proverbial lens turns away from that character mm-hmm. and then comes back that they've now turned from Jekyll to Hyde and from yeah. Hyde to Nutty Professor. 
No, that's that's awesome. But okay, sorry. No, no, no. We should game together. Yeah, we should game together. That's um right. but kind of going back to like the main difference between men and women. Yes, like a, a table of all women and a table of all men. And like I said, I'm just speaking in general, but I found that women are like in my my games, I'm still advertising for my DMing, I guess. I always kind of have a option to get out of combat. Like combats can be avoided if you do things, you know, quote unquote correctly. Mm-hmm. Um so there's usually always a way to role play out of whatever situation. And like we didn't have a single combat <laughs> with the female group, which is not true with you know, co-ed or all male groups that I've run games for in the past. So, uh, and they were, they were much more, if I could say, seem to be like cooperatively interested in sort of growing their characters together and were, I guess, more helpful. And I think that you've made comments about how, um, cause you've observed, this is not in D and D, but like observing, um, one of our other uh, friends playing video games, how polite we are to each other. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and uh, I don't know, it's just, in- it's an interesting uh, dynamic. So like when we're playing Fortnite, which is a game that I've, I've recently gotten into, uh, I'm st- I'm not, I want to say that I'm not good at it, but we're all like, when we we're, play we're together, all we're, we're always it. like the it's... last three teams left. So yeah. we're not awful. Uh, but I've heard stories that you are just the cursingest sailor that that has ever existed <laughs> while playing video games. And I've caught like a, a little bit of that secondhand as I'm talking to somebody well, that, else that's on to, the phone. Like, that's to opponents, though. Like at opponents, not really. Well, I've, ne- I've never heard you on the, on the mics trash talking. I've heard a little bit of, I can't believe this thing has happened to me as I'm playing the game, mm-hmm. which I think is a little bit different than... That stuff those kids say in Call of Duty. Uh, but so while we're playing the game, I, I never hear you talking uh, this expletive over here. Or can you believe this? Uh, frap, gosh, all Friday. I can't believe this. Um, none of that. Mm-hmm. Uh, what I do hear is, hey, I found a purple weapon. Would you would you like it? It's better than the blue that you have. I see that you are a fan of submachine guns. Here, let me let me take this from you. All right, I'm going to take one of these bandages and then give the rest back. <laughs> Thank you so much. <laughs> if if you please, I see some people. I'd like, uh, with your permission, I would like to engage these combatants. And I'm like, this is the this is something that I'm truly unfamiliar with. I and and I and I really love it. <laughs> I mean, I've been playing video games for a long time mm-hmm. and to and to be fair, I'm I'm playing I'm playing boy shooters and, and sports stuff. <laughs> so there's very there's very little time to be like nice. But, you know, in these like longer formats shooters, like these arena shooters where mm-hmm. I guess it kinda just pays off to like it makes the gaming session so much better when everybody's kinda like on the same well, and she and I played. Page. We we played duos a lot together, and we're 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 really good. I I can I feel like I feel pretty safe saying that because we like make it to the top, like you said, the top three pretty much all the time. Um, and 
like that's just kind of the mode that we've gotten in and it's always interesting when we open up to squads because like people will engage without saying anything to us so like we're not there for backup and it's always kind of weird it's like why didn't you say anything it's like did i have to say anything it's like well now i have to come over and save you because you engaged at this entire squad without saying you know so it, it i find that being at least polite to your teammates every makes things so, go so much smoother and things are much more copacetic. Uh, so I don't know if we ever get around to making a Twitch, then maybe people can watch us play and be super polite to each other. <laughs> yes. that's a... <laughs> Welcome to the Twitch channel, Team Manners. Yeah, Team Manners. Please, please spam the uh, praying hands emoji. <laughs> Yeah, but me me getting mad at video games, it's mostly uh when I swear. Do you get mad? Is that is that oh, what it is? Or is it just kind of like so, it's not so much getting angry because I especially with single player video games, I like ramping the difficulty up to like as hard as I can. Mm. So it, it's not so much I'm angry because that is what I've come to the game for. Right. Is this It's performing the function that you want it to do. Exactly. But I tend to get like and it's mostly swearing at myself, I think. Like, oh, I didn't kill you, so I'm just gonna say a bunch of terrible things. <laughs> so anyway, no, I mean, I, I like, I don't, I don't swear a lot whenever I play games. Something about it, because I always saw a lot of people that smashed their controllers and and threw mm-hmm. discs yeah. and and were in and had fits, and it, I, it was just a thing that I just. I'm not going to be like those people. Yeah. And so uh, I don't yell. I'm not very, um, that's not true. I, I am performative, but it's like, a, this is what would happen if you, if you listen to me play mm-hmm. video games. Oh, of course <laughs> I would do that. Ron, you're so dumb. Aww. I can't, I can't believe that you would let that happen to you. Um, uh, that's right. You are out of bullets. Uh, I saw it coming from a mile away and it still worked. Oh, that's like, it was, it's just like absolute self-loathing all the, all the way down. Yeah. I mean, and, and like a lot of it's not true, but now that's just the language that I use to express mm. my frustration. Well, I think, I think one of the things about playing other people is like, for some reason, losing to the AI is worse than losing to other people because you can be like, oh, the person is just better than me. Yeah. But, you know, for some reason, losing to the AI is, is just, like, super demoralizing. I think that's the thing that, that puts me off of playing a lot of the um, the past decade has, has seen a lot of, like, games be hard. And that mm-hmm. is and that's the reason why you play it. And not in, in, and not in like, a classical Nintendo hard way because, you know, like, shoot 'em ups or yeah. um, uh, classic, really classic platformers, like, you know. Not meant maybe not Mario, but Crash Bandicoot. <laughs> um, just you know things that are hard, but uh, more so, you have to study the game, yeah, to be good at it, as opposed to having like tremendous stick skills, yeah. And so the challenge is like the reason why you died is because you didn't read the science on the way up to the boss that technically gave you the way to beat it, and yeah. also you didn't time your. Uh, uh, your your parries and dodges up mm-hmm. to the obviously telegraphed sequence of events that leads them to one shot stuff like that and I'm like, 
I got a, like I'm studying a college class. I have a hundred yeah, pages of reading to do, do this next week. Um, I I I work at I work two jobs. Um, <laughs> like my rents do. Like please just let me. This story looks pretty interesting. Please mm-hmm. let me see it. Yeah. Well, that's when you put the difficulty down to like you know. True, but then but now you like if like say if you're you mm-hmm. and you want the game to be challenging, now you're just kind of stuck. And now you have to put the game up until you can become unstuck. Yeah. Which is and I've now done you're that no longer playing the game that you wanted to play. Yeah, I've done that before with video games where I'm like, I'm just going to come back to this because I don't have time to figure all this out at the moment. So I have almost thrown a controller at a television before. Gross. Why? That's, <laughs> you, you, would, you own both the... See, that's the thing. I was like... This is my controller and my TV. Why would I want to break no, that? No, no. It's like I, I didn't actually throw the controller, but it was the only time that I've almost thrown a controller. Like my arm was raised with the controller in my hand to chunk it at the television. <laughs> Which is so fun because, I mean, I, the, I, I have a friend of mine who um, buys trinkets mm-hmm. to break them so that whenever their day is just out of control... Right, they have to release this anger. Ooh. All right, cool. I got this tchotchke from Michaels. I'm gonna throw it at the wall, and it breaks. And I'm like, cool, got a little bit of control. And I call the time that uh, that's my that's my one way of uh, taking back a little bit of agency mm-hmm. in this world is to sabotage something small. <laughs> I don't, but it's but it's an idea that I understand. The whole catharsis and destruction sort of R- idea, yeah. right? But when it came to video games, which is a thing that I like to do, I break this controller. I won't be able to oh, do the no, thing no, that no, I like terrible. to do. You want to know what's worse about that? It was on uh, the Wii Resident Evil 4. Oh, so you almost just threw the entire system. Yeah. Well, uh, no. Like, I mean, it was like one of those little, you know, weird. Oh, wait. I'm thinking Wii. of the Switch. No. That's my bad. No. I, I have a Switch now, but like then it was the Wii and I was playing, playing Resident Evil 4 and I'd been up for like 30 hours or something, you know, something. Oh, you say three hours like it's... 13 hours. Oh. You know, I'd been up for like a really long time. I was, um, my roommate at the time, she and I, like, I wouldn't exactly call it a fight, but we were kind of having like a disagreement about some of like just life choices, I guess you'd say. And like, so I just, you know, you, you dive in to to the game and you just are like, okay. And then, yeah, like. I didn't, and it was over like the smallest of things. Like it, I was like sniping, and I didn't hit my. It was it was the worst. Oh yeah, that, that's <laughs> that's was, that's all it takes. Yeah, it was it, like I didn't. I it was perfect shot, and I didn't didn't it hit it, and I just like I literally had it raised to throw, and I realized what I was doing, and I was like, oh, I'm gonna go to bed. This is a problem. <laughs> so that's generally whenever I realize that. Uh, so I play a lot of Destiny. Uh, it's a game that I just I've been plugged mm-hmm. into for the past few years, and um, there's going to become a time, especially, and I think this is with all shooters, is that um, you're going to hit a groove where you can't miss. It yeah. just feels good. All uh, you're reacting properly, the the way that you're supposed to, and then it'll just fall off the cliff. And I think mm-hmm. a lot of times. Uh, I, I know a lot of times I'm thinking, cool, I'll pick this back up. I can save this. And uh, it just gets worse and worse and worse. And so, like, 
at the at the time that I fell off a cliff is like at the ninety minute mark. Like I've just turned on the system. I'm I'm at before games in. I play a lot of PvP too. <laughs> um, and so now it's like your thirteen hour game session. It's three hours later, and I have cratered my 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 KD my kill death ratio. Mm-hmm. I am. Uh, a detriment to my team in every single way. I'm missing every single shot. I've gone through every single loadout. I've tried every single subclass. Uh, I've, every sort of armor configuration, I'm still just, I'm dying. And uh, and all it takes is for somebody to come around the corner in your life real quick with some, some sort of completely average one-hit play. And it's like, I'm quitting. Rage quit. <laughs> Middle yeah, of the match. Yeah. I'm done. And you know what? I'll feel bad the entire <laughs> I'll feel bad the entire day thinking about I really should have shut it down two hours into this session. I should have just I should have just let it go, watched a couple episodes of The Office, <laughs> and I'd I'd have been good. I I should have cooked something. I haven't eaten yet. Oh, I, but see, you fell into the sum cost fallacy trap, which is I know you've heard me talk a lot about the sum cost fallacy, right? The sum cost or the sunk cost. Is it is it some costs or well, is it? Tell me about it. Okay, so the the concept of human beings naturally, if they've devoted time into something, will continue to try to make it work, mm-hmm. even though they know it might be a lost cause or like they shouldn't continue. Mm-hmm. But because you have devoted time, so you're into talking the past about this, it, this podcast? No, of course not. <laughs> no, you've you you've lo- you're locked into this. You can't get out of it. Mm-hmm. Well, I guess you can, but you know, um, but yeah, so people do it a lot in life, you know, the whole standard of like, I mean, just using an example, oh, well, you know, we've been married 12 years, so we should try it. And I'm not saying that you should just give up on, you know, things that you've put work into if you still want to, but like people do this a lot with like you know, they're financing, not financing, um, funding things or they're paying for this, you know, like they put so much money in this house, but it's like falling down around them when really they should just sell the house and stop putting money. You know, it's, it's that kind of thing. Right. It's like, that's, that's why we have the term like that house is a money pit. Yeah. Right. Yeah. You should have just cut your losses a long time, long time ago. ago. And, yeah. um, and like time is a bit like that too, of like, oh, I've dedicated like I hate to use this example, but, like, I've been friends with this person for, like, 15 years, but, you know, you've discovered they're problematic, quote-unquote problematic. Oh, no. Yeah. (laughs) I I hate using that example, but, like, sometimes you should just get out and, like, you should stop playing the game at a certain point, but you don't because you, like, oh, I can... I can recoup this or well I mean it was like those situations like that so you spend time with the person mm-hmm. and as you're spending time with this person you're reminded of all the good times that yeah. the reason why that you're your friend but you but you then you also realize that the only times like all your time with this person is completely bad or it's it's more bad than it is good, mm-hmm. and the only thing that's keeping you together is kind of like the momentum of a relationship. Mm-hmm. And yeah, you probably would be better off. Yeah, or I pe- mean, cosmically, you know, like you probably both would because then somebody would like pay them pay attention to them in the way mm-hmm. that they would 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 really benefit them as opposed to somebody that's just kind of I used to like you, so I'm going to continue to kind of like you. So, 
Yeah, so it's that sort of mm. concept, which is an interesting one. I think that like movie companies get into this of like, oh, we've invested so much money in this whole thing, and then for some reason they make you know sequels when things aren't good, or you know, I think that motion pictures and I think motion pictures or, is a little bit different in a the, little in, bit, the, in yeah. the sense that like if somebody's making sequels because there's money to be made. Yeah, I suppose that's true. Uh, but but to keep it in the, in the movies that I've never walked out of a movie before. Um in this in in a But, but uh, we're like different people. Like if like I feel like when we watch bad movies it's like, "Oh, I can't wait." Like a lot of times like I get into a bad movie I'm like this is terrible. I cannot wait to talk <laughs> to Ron about this movie. I have so much to say. Well, yeah, not to say that like bad movies can can not be like jump off points to other bits of joy. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. But there are also movies that I've watched that I don't want to talk about this. It's not good. Matter of fact, it's worse than not good. It's boring. Yeah. And <laughs> at the if I if I decide to get up out of my seat and uh just hop into another movie theater or better yet just stop watching this movie that I'm watching on Netflix. If I had just stopped doing that, it's like, this movie's bad. This movie's, this movie's real bad. Uh, I could absolutely just, I could get something done mm-hmm. or skip to another movie. But, but you know, so I put my time in, I'm going to see what the ending of this film is. I've actually kind of got around that by oh, because, yeah. because Netflix has a cool thing where you just hold down the, the fast forward button oh, where you can see the end. Yeah. And- and if you've if you watched thousands of films like I have, mm-hmm. you can just see it happening. Like, oh, I get it. Yeah, this go. is where it's going. Okay, exactly. I, I've done that definitely. I, as you know, I like to kind of, I like to watch film and television from other countries a lot. So I like watch a lot of Korean dramas. <laughs> Good, um, and they stretch those those out like. It's Dragon Ball Z level, like, you know, fill, filler almost, like how it's all going to end. So, like, you know, you can totally just fast forward through a lot of those shows. Be like, okay, let's, where are we at? All right. And then well, I mean, I think that's the end. I think that's kind of a, a decent telenovela is that oh, it, yeah. it kind of just like carries you to the end. And all mm-hmm. of a sudden you find yourself at the end and they kiss. And it's like, huh. <laughs> it's exactly what I wanted. Yep, exactly. Uh, you know what people do a lot of the like you, you when you were talking about movies like but people do that a lot with food and I've just gotten to where like you know you'll you'll order something absolutely it's not good but you still will eat it because you paid for it and you don't want to waste it I've I've kind of gotten around where I don't do that so much anymore but yeah you know sometimes it it it's not great to not be the richest person ever mm-hmm. uh, to find yourself broke and so it's like oh. Popeyes messed up my order. Yeah. Also, it's not very good. <laughs> I could stop eating this, but uh, but the follow up is. But then you don't. I but yeah. then I don't have anything to eat. Yeah. And I don't I'm like. Oh man, I spent. And that's where another song like I spent nine dollars on this. <laughs> I'm a, I'm going to eat this food. Yep. Yeah. Uh, I've actually so like you are with with mo- uh, movies is uh, with my family. Um, I'll text my mom about things that I've had that are bad and, uh, I'll take pictures and I'll detail it because it's a, cause everything's, everything's a story, right? Just because something's bad mm. doesn't mean that you can't get hours of engagement out of it. Oh yeah. Yeah. So yeah, I'll eat a bad thing. <laughs> I'll go back for seconds. 
Okay. So. <laughs> See, that's another thing. You like that whole like, oh, I've already what is it? I've already screwed up today. I I had like a donut and all this other stuff, so I can just eat bad the rest of the day because I already screwed up at the beginning of the day. Oh right, yeah. I'm gonna not only am I <laughs> going to um, eat more bad things, I'm gonna eat all the bad things <laughs> yeah. today. Yeah, it's, it's, it's such be, a mental trap. All that. It's gonna be a huge trap. But does your mom enjoy getting like all of the the pictures, you know, of like bad food? And oh stuff? no, that's our favorite. That's our favorite thing. That's how that, that is, that's our that's our mom son relationship is um, talking about bad food food from places. Mm-hmm. You know, we like to think of ourselves as decent cooks, decent ju- judges of taste, have a relatively wide palate. So yeah, we're incredibly snobbish about other people's potato salad. Mm-hmm. Um, Remind me never to make this restaurant salad and bring it over. This, this restaurant that only has chicken fried steak. All sorts all sorts of stuff. Just like mm-hmm. everything's bland. Nobody likes spice. Uh, Oklahoma's terrible. The barbecue's not good. It's all bad. <laughs> the restaurants are the Mexican restaurants and the Malaysian joints and like only, only ethnic places. Like, aren't white people ethnic? I mean, guess I guess so. But wh- what's a white restaurant? What is a white restaurant? Yeah, that's that's a category that I'm going to make on on Google or like uh, Yelp. Oh, you're looking for Asian restaurants, uh, soul food joints, white <laughs> white places. We'll we'll see how that goes. Ooh, I'm trying to think of all the places I would classify as like white restaurants. They, they've got to be, there's i mean well are we talking about like because there's like the polish you know like i think that's actually a, a lot a, a bigger funner question funner, more, more fun, fun to- topic <laughs> topic to talk about because like so whiteness in america like oh yeah definitely it started like black people didn't start it native americans didn't start it asian people didn't start it it is a creation generally for the most part uh, or it is largely attributed to america for creating mm-hmm. whiteness as a thing that is and that other people cannot be mm-hmm. and over time it allowed certain people to be in because first i was like hey what are you irish get out of here what are you italian oh, yeah, yeah. no way uh what are you polish mm, if you hadn't told me that but now that i know you're out that that is kind of the funny thing about um when I was in Europe of like they like Europeans I mean they they have the European Union now but they're still very I think I've told you the story like they talk smack about like beating each other in wars that sometimes happen like 500 years ago Ooh, uh-huh. it's it's insane and just like the Belgians are like oh the Dutch are just kind of terrible and but they're <laughs> they're kind of the same thing <laughs> i'm sorry are you are you waving a flag for a war that happened 200 years ago oh, yeah yeah definitely mm. and well okay i'm gonna i know that i've told you the story but whenever when i was playing badminton mm-hmm. <laughs> over as, as one does as one does in the english countryside it was one of the most surreal moments and um there was an english guy and a dutch guy and i think you know, as people are, do, you know, when you're on opposite sides, you start to smack talk. Mm-hmm. And they they literally started talking about all the wars the Dutch had been in, like, and the English had been against each other. 
And then the Dutch is like, oh, no, well, we kicked your asses, like, these three wars. And the English guys, well, like, you lost the last one. And what did we get? We got India. Right. And this, this, this sounds <laughs> like, because, like, yes, you have told me. And it sounded like it started as mildly friendly trash talk. But then yeah. actually evolved into, honest to goodness, arguing about. Uh, who like, is like superior. In, in their feelings, yeah. who is superior. Yeah. I, couldn't be me. And like what was worse is it moved into like into the colonial period. Like I was saying, he's like, well, we got India out of that war with you. It's like, you really shouldn't be bragging about that. (laughs) You know, the fact that you got quote unquote got. I was about to say, uh, name, name a better album than the Dutch Indian trading company. I'll wait. (laughs) Oh no. Yeah. But so, yeah, that is an interesting, like, because I think American, quote unquote, American whiteness is definitely different than European whiteness. Like, Absolutely. I used to, this is this is my, oh, we're talking about race. I love it. <laughs> I'm not even drunk yet. Well, like the, 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 the casting of Get Out, um, I remember a lot of people were mad. For the about, casting? For the casting, yeah, because um, the, I can't remember his name for the life of me right Is now. Bradley Woodford, right. not white enough, too white. <laughs> no, no, because the um, I can't remember his name. The main character. Yeah, he's English. Yes. Not American, uh, so like they felt like he couldn't quote, quote unquote capture the, you know. Yeah, that's a that's absolutely a conversation that uh, happens a lot, like. And I get it to a certain extent because movies are more than just the the text mm-hmm. on the page. They're also all about what the movie is made. Like there, there's a big argument about Joker right now about what does it mean? Why is it so political? Yeah. Like because like it came out in a political co- climate. Like people have attached meaning to it. Mm-hmm. Therefore, what it's made of is also as important of as important as what it is. Like the new Harriet Tubman movie has a, a British lead as Harriet mm-hmm. Tubman. And yep. people are like, I mean, I guess people can, you know, if you're a good enough actor, people kind of won't care. But yeah, it's uh, it doesn't it doesn't feel right mm. whenever you have a non-American playing this, I would say, inherently American role. Well, and a very important and if i could say iconic can i use iconic like yes uh we're going out on the limb saying harriet tubman <laughs> is iconic. iconic go ahead and, go ahead like, and quote kate uh, <laughs> I was about so to... iconic yeah absolutely <laughs> but you never hear these arguments really pop up when like british like white british actors are playing like just picking out like somebody i know off the top of my head the the guy from walking dead the lead rick grimes is that <laughs> who's definitely a british actor super british super british like no one really cares about those so like it's it's not that like (laughs) rick grimes is not the same as harriet tubman (laughs) and i'm not trying to say that they are equated in any way (laughs) to me it it hinges upon do you consider vampires to be zombies or not because then we could say in abraham lincoln uh zombie hunter that no it's vampire vampire hunter I'm sorry. I'm thinking Pride Prejudice. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that, that was a weird period where all those came out, wasn't it? Yeah, got it. You have to go through that to get to here. Yeah. But she fires, so I, I guess yeah. it checks out. But it also like Daniel Day Lewis. Mm-hmm. He's he's not he's British, the most British. Mm-hmm. 
I think people kind of let him off the hook because he's Daniel Day Lewis. What are you going to yeah, say? Yeah, yeah. Um, but I mean, it wouldn't be. I think it's one of those things where it seems to be a trend, not a trend, because that's it feels like a trend. I'm going ahead and just throw out a, a a fallacy out there because I saw two movies that did it. Therefore, it's a trend. But like, say, Twelve Years a Slave, he had a British lead. A, a lot of your important uh, movies of about black people of the past five years. A lot of either British directors or British leads. Mm-hmm. And it's like, well, it'd be cool to have, and this is where I, you know, I, I'm, I become old man Samuel L. Jackson. Like, it'd be really cool to have America for Americans. I'm like, oh, I mean, Hi. it feels, it feels bad when I say it like that, but the sentiment is there's truth for me on the interior, somewhere around the sentiment. Well, there's kind of that, um, if I could say, when you're telling like a story from a certain person's perspective, it's usually get good to get that person's perspective. I mean, it's a lot with like, oh, the casting of trans um, peoples, like people were casting, you know, people who hadn't been trans and that, and that sort of thing, like right. into trans role. Like it's kind of, it's, it feels a bit similar. Girl. Yeah. And it and it's not so much that those they're they're not great actors and that their performances aren't, but like there's something sort of inherently about I don't know. <laughs> hmm? Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. So it might be it might be a stronger trend than I let on. Here I am, just getting salty about nonsense. Want to take a break real quick? Yeah, sure. All right, all right, we're gonna take a break. Never will work again. Should I do? Let it go. Let it go. Can't hold it back anymore. We're cutting this. Yeah, totally. Um. All right, cool. We're back. Yep, we're back. So, um, Kane, have you learned anything this week? Have you have you saw any stuff? Maybe seen some things. I may have seen a few things this week. Please enlighten me. Um, well, one of the things, because my Twitter game is not so strong, you told me about was the fervor around the Harley Quinn movie. Oh, that's right. Yeah. That is my, of my, the three topics that I like in the world, this might be number two. <laughs> it's my Harley favorite, Quinn ver- my favorite brain? topic. But... <laughs> Uh, sorry, I've, I've, I think I've jumped ahead. So go ahead. So you oh, no, no, you no. were you were diving through some Harley Quinn stuff. Yeah, I was driving through some high Harley Quinn comments of mostly the ones that bothered me. I think the most is people complaining about how they weren't sexy in the trailers, but using the fact that male superheroes are super sexy. So you like, look, girls get eye candy. Why can't we have eye candy? And it's funny because I never really thought about like the, I, I have been kind of troubled by male superheroes becoming like these hyper-masculine 
like sort of jug- juggernauts a little bit. Becoming hypermasculine? Or ha- having been. Okay. Having been, sorry, excuse me. Um, but like the, I think it's much more like sort of transparent because actors are talking about like all of the crazy things they have to do to achieve those bodies. Okay. Uh-huh. Yeah. But I have, I have, I am kind of troubled that, troubled that that is kind of becoming like, this is the ideal guy. Um, sort of like, oh, you have to be like super fit and cut all the time kind I, of thing and I, tall. I think that, I mean, cause it, I mean, it's not necessarily new because Arnold Schwarzenegger, the, Oh, ultimate yeah. action dude was he's only different in the, in the idea that he was very technically an athlete he was a a, mm-hmm. a body builder yep did competitions won awards and so he just kind of just brought that with him to uh his role mm-hmm. so like yes there's been people that have, have been yoked sylvester Stallone was pretty yoked in in a lot of the rockies like mm-hmm. i get it but but for that, the most part, yeah. most of your 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 big time heroes were just v- very capable looking, mm-hmm. as opposed to um, like, like comic book art brought to mm-hmm. life. Exactly. And, and here's what I think: mm-hmm. I think the movie Three Hundred changed everything forever. In that, it's not <laughs> just about like a guy being uh, yoked and cut up for a role. Mm-hmm. It's that everybody has to be. And so, um, even if you're not going to wear any, like, even if you're just going to be, so Lee Pace, the mm-hmm. wonderful Lee Pace, mm-hmm. loved him to death, um, was cast as Ronan the Accuser mm-hmm. in Guardians, Guardians of the Galaxy. Of the Galaxy. And like, he was already pretty big in the first mm-hmm. place. Uh, well, he's like seven, eight or something stupid, right? <laughs> <laughs> Yes, he's a large man, but I mean, I'm sorry. Well, I guess what I'm saying he was already like in great shape mm. anyway. Uh, but they took this man's perfect body and basically just put him in wrestling mats. Yeah, but gave him <laughs> just enough screenshot screen time to show off that he does have a perfect body right before, right, like immediately right before he's they, wearing a robe. For yes, the for the rest thing. of yeah. the movie. Yep. Um, and it's, and it's kind of ridiculous because almost everybody that's going to be in a superhero movie has to go through the superhero workout mm-hmm. or the, the 300 workout, yeah. which I, I, I'm still going to claim it is. <laughs> and, um, but I don't, I don't really, I've never really felt like that that has been specifically for women for some reason. It absolutely isn't. And I know that sometimes it's framed a little bit like the male gaze is framed on women. You know, you get like kind of the slow pan up of the abs or whatever. But like the context is normally different, I think. Like, I don't know. It's just very strange to me. But you might get a shot of yeah, that. Yeah, a shot. You might, like that might happen one time mm-hmm. in a three-hour movie mm-hmm. as opposed to every other time that Black Widow is framed or mm-hmm. oh, just yeah. the other female lead mm-hmm. or our principal actor um, gets a, not to say cheesecake, but mm-hmm. um, gets gazed at by mm-hmm. the camera. They get they get framed in a way it's like, yeah, they look nice, right? As opposed to they look strong. Mm-hmm. They look powerful. Yeah, which is what, like, how it's framed for men. And I think that some people on the internet are confusing, like, this framing with the sexual, like, sort of the, like, oh, they 
see there all those guys are super sexy is like mm, you you really aren't understanding i, I <laughs> think i think it's is a i mean not a confusion because i don't want to say everybody's like this but mm-hmm. the, the the discourse seems to they're talking past each other because they'll say some they'll because i think a lot of people that are that would be politicking for that um that these idealized male bodies mm-hmm. are um, sexy. They are, but only in an attribute type way. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, people like, mo- yeah, people, surprise, shock all. This is mm-hmm. my hot take for 2020 is that people like other people that are in shape, mm-hmm. wild. Yep. Um, but they're not, f- they're never framed in a way that, shows them to be gawked at mm-hmm. you're, well, you're supposed to vulnerable really yeah, like they're never framed with any kind of like yeah this is this is a person that you want to be mm-hmm. as opposed to a person that you want to be with yeah exactly and uh just because because you know th- and that to me, and that is where the whole the conversation with uh not the whole part of the conversation with unrealistic body types in mm-hmm. media especially nerd media Oh yeah, is that uh, generally women have a body type, maybe two. Um, either you are super buxom, or you are the five thousand year old dragon that looks like a six year old. Uh, <laughs> but if you're a dude, you can be like huge. You can be lithe. You can be long. You can mm-hmm. be stout. You can be every character in in um, Lord of the Rings. Oh right? yeah, you can be all of those. But women, on the hand, have a harder time doing that, mm-hmm. or else you get typecast as the tall, strong one. Uh, and when I say one, that's it. Um, how many uh, Brianna Tarths do you find in any one piece of media? Because I'd love to have ten. Yeah, but you you generally only have one. Well, like the the Wonder Woman movie, I think did. Like, because they really, from what I understand, tried to cast, with the exception of Gil- Gal Gadot, I always say her name wrong, mm-hmm. um, athletes. Yeah. So, and th- I think that really shows when you see them in the background. And I think that, oh, I can't remember her name. Dang it, it just left my brain. Princess Bride. Uh, House of Cards. House Cards, yep. Robin yeah. Wright. Thank you. Robin Wright. <laughs> Sorry. And I think Robin Wright, she really worked out for that. Yeah, she Like, did. she was like, oh, I'm going to play a warrior general lady. Like, I'm going to... Because she had some guns in that movie. <laughs> to be fair, she she is also kind of like Lee Pace. She's had a perfect body for That's true. a very she, long time. She has had... So she went extra to the gym on yeah. top of her she, already She got the some gym. gains. Yep. But, but also... And I've always kind of been a little bit critical of the casting of uh, her name, Gal Gadot, gosh. Not in that she's not a capable actress, and I really did like the job that she did, but physically, like, she, I always thought she did not look strong enough, in my opinion. Like, mm. she, and I know she did work out, but I don't know. You know, if, if it was me, because it's, I think, uh, gal has said that she absolutely want my wish is that she basically turned into hugh jackman yeah and um, <laughs> was allowed to work out as hard as she possibly can 
too like just uh just yoked right mm-hmm. but she stopped by the studios from being there. oh yeah and it's weird because i think the the camera highlights the things that you aren't whenever you're supposed to be something because mm-hmm. most people that, that are in that uh around her as she's like pre-production you know working up to to the role and during production while she's like cutting weight so all mm-hmm. of her muscles pop say that to be in like the same room with her is wildly intimidating mm-hmm. because she's she's tall and looks oh, like yeah, she, she's, could, she could kill you she's she's tall and she does if i could say she does seem like someone who would be dangerous mm-hmm. like because she kind of exudes that confidence like she was a bit like that and I guess in one of the Fast and Furious movies, which is partially why she was cast in Wonder Woman, mm-hmm. um, is because of that role. Um, but they, I always found that they, she, she's a model, and she, and, and models are tall and like can be very physically intimidating. But yeah, I just would have liked someone a bit more j- jacked. Well, I mean, I, yeah. Hopefully, one day we will get jacked. Like, mm-hmm. here's the thing. Not that I want somebody else to play it. I just want to see Gal Gadot get just oh yeah yeah um, just NFL running back uh, huge and that like that would be that'd be fu- that'd be fun. Mm-hmm. Um, I'd love her to get to um, like Gina Carano. Uh, Gina Carano when she fought like is famous for never making weight, <laughs> and that's what that's that's what I, that's what I want. I want I I want. <laughs> I want thick Wonder Woman. Uh, no, yeah, like, and that's always kind of how she was physically. I mean, not back in the forties, of course, when they weren't really drawing like super muscles on her. That was weird. But she, like physically, she has always like her boobs have always been like sort of unrealistically big, in my opinion, for someone who supposedly <laughs> works yeah. out all the time. Comics but, also, yeah, molded from clay. Yeah, molded from clay, which is funny because apparently that is what. Gal Gadot thought a lot of people's biggest complaints about her were is that she didn't have big like I've seen oh, an interview. I can see that, and I know that there are people oh, who did no, have a problem. There are absolutely, people that, <laughs> absolutely. That, made, that made that argument. Um, but like my argument was like, oh, she's she just doesn't look like strong enough. I guess you'd say. And for the Mandalorian, it's funny you bring up Gina, Gina Carano. Like she apparently, I was watching an interview with her, and sort of about her costuming costuming costume costume design um she is constantly apparently being all of her stuff is tailored to sort of de-accentuate her arms because yeah. she's got big arms because <laughs> she's gina carano yeah, no, she's, she's gina carano uh, who, who, who's big and strong who's big and strong and this it was absolutely the reverse in this they really wanted to accentuate like how strong she looked so anyway just a side i learned that as well (laughs) Well, i mean so to to go back to birds of prey and i think that it's an issue about that every work has a um uh an intended case that it's trying to make for itself Mm -hmm. for uh an audience like a thing that can be for all audience but it's also there's also a person in the seat that they like this is the person that we're that we're talking to and so um a lot of the a lot of the costuming and production design for 
uh, Birds of Prey and the blah, blah, blah of Harley Quinn is not meant for the mainstream front page male gaze. Mm -hmm. It is, it's uh, things that are generally made for women to think are cool. Yeah. Um, Also hot, but but mainly like Mm -hmm. cool before hot. Yeah, and because we obviously haven't seen it yet, but in the trailer, a lot of their clothing, if I could say, does seem like clothing. I mean, Harley Quinn's clothing is kind of crazy. Huntress's is a little bit weird. But, I mean, generally speaking, all the other people are wearing clothes that look like people would actually wear. Right. Um, Like somebody, I think at one point, is just like in a t-shirt and a hat and like some, like they're obviously most comfortable jeans, um, which... <laughs> which, which, t- t- you know, because you the, these are decisions to be made. It's like this person is wearing their most comfortable jeans because mm-hmm. it's a day where they wear their most, most comfortable, comfortable jeans. jeans. Yeah, you know, like you do. Exactly, um, and I think it really shows because Mar Margot Robbie, apparently, from what I've read, really did not enjoy <laughs> filming Suicide Squad in the outfit she was wearing. <laughs> um, and really? I, I, yeah, I know. Shocking. Like, and it, just just the costuming alone for that movie, like Harley Quinn versus everyone else's costume. I guess you could say um, the Enchantress. Like, oh, but she was like the a Enchantress magical co- costume like, is is amazing. Yeah, like, the costume. So they <laughs> Suicide Squad Oscar winner <laughs> won an Oscar for makeup. No, and it didn't. It did. Really? Yeah. Oh, okay. Um, of which costuming has... Who were they up against? <laughs> period dramas. Well, okay. I which, guess. I mean, I don't necessarily... That gives it a free pass to win. You did get that link, by the way, to um, Film Frocks. I did. I will yeah. definitely check that out. You, you and, got uh, Just as an aside, Film Frocks is a podcast um, website where you can go on and basically it's historical dress costume nerds talk about films and television shows and they have podcasts too that i've been making my way through it's pretty great so shout out (laughs) right so like in the in the in the first suicide squad she's i guess you could say it's comics accurate and therein lies the problem Mm -hmm. um and when people say that you can't sexualize a cartoon it's not real (laughs) But then whenever you translate that costume one to one on a real person, oh, yeah. it's like, yeah, this is what we've been talking about the whole time. It's not necessarily that you're treating a cartoon character bad. It's that you are reinforcing uh, a set of ideas that I would say are regressive. Well, and they, they're not really feasible in real life. Like, no, a lot of times, co- things things on for comics and cartoons and everything else, they're drawn to be aesthetic like on the page but yeah. as you know most any i'm sure freshman design student can tell say, you it uh, just does not translate like yeah. i don't know if you've ever tried to sew a pattern but like <laughs> <laughs> it's hard it's it's you it's know there's good. a lot of things that you have to take in account and it's, and uh, and that's just a generic pattern like when you're trying to custom fit someone's body like <laughs> it's just 
as most of like these types of costumes are made for those actors for the film and that kind of thing it's like uh. but then we're we have to like oh well let's get it as close to the comic book as possible for this costume it's like no you really shouldn't so <laughs> but yeah there's i think there's a very good reason why margot robbie's wearing a gold overall loose overalls oh, in and the... it's, it's so much like you know i don't want i mean it's art but i think it's so much better because now it's like oh yeah now now this thing looks lived in as opposed to made yeah exactly and th- there's there's more character there mm-hmm. um, in the choices that ostensibly the character makes mm-hmm. as opposed to I've created a, a sexy baby doll, and I'm like, mm. yep. Anyway, yep. Mm-hmm. I'm glad that Huntress is in this movie. By the way, me too. I like Huntress a lot. Just as an aside, like, I, I'm basically, I'm, I'm really glad that the Birds of Prey is coming back. Yeah. I don't know if you ever watched the the TV show back in the day. I didn't. I didn't watch the TV runs. show, um, but I'm quite familiar with all the characters involved. So. Um, I I hate I don't hate DC. I just don't read it. So I've never read like a Birds of Prey book. I've never mm-hmm. read a Hunter's book. But I did watch a TV show and it was good. So mm-hmm. um, them bringing it back is uh, it gives me these weird nostalgia vibes for a ostensibly not very good '90s television show, mm-hmm. which is. I don't know. Maybe that's bad. Maybe I'm part of the problem because there's been so much nostalgia happening in film lately. Our people, our studios, banking on our nostalgia. Mm-hmm. Oh, now we've got a tinfoil hat on right now. Uh, like, <laughs> as a rail against the industry. I I think this sort of nostalgia machine like media mass media marketing machine is like kind of interesting because it's creating its like own sort of like based off of our nostalgia it's creating like new like media in that same sort of style for younger generations who then can like be nostalgic about the thing you know what i mean it's kind of like it's weird (laughs) weird uh but I also Cycle. feel, well, I mean, <laughs> but I feel like the uh, media moves so fast nowadays. Like, grab your favorite meme from five years ago, and you will feel like you will have turned to dust. <laughs> that can you believe that there was a uh, was it Rainbow Cat? Can you can you believe that um, I I can has cheeseburgers was ever a thing? <laughs> that's true. So I like, say that. yeah, that's, that's true. I, I I truly wonder what nostalgia is going to look like for not only future generations but you know we live in this time period we've had good stuff mm-hmm. happen what will we look back fondly oh, on yeah. in in 2019 2020 i don't know speaking of nostalgia stuff i so the new ghostbusters they they've announced slash release have they released a trailer yet i don't think they have for they the have new the, ghostbusters movie yes that's that is how i found out about ghostbusters it ghostbusters movie um and it got me thinking about the all lady remake quote unquote that they did of mm-hmm. the ghostbusters movie and it made me realize i kind of wanted to talk about that movie a little bit more um so if you're up for talking about that i'll talk about that <laughs> well with you with so, you. <laughs> so i have i haven't seen it and not because i i decided to boycott or anything it's just i don't have those particular nostalgic feelings about ghostbusters yep so talk to me what's the so one of the things about the Melissa McCarthy, Kristen Wiig, 
oh, uh, Kate McKinnon, um, and uh, Kristen Wiig. No, I just said Kristen Wiig. Oh. She's on Saturday Night Live. Uh, yes. Uh, Jones. Is it Leslie? Leslie Jones. That is. Leslie Jones. Yeah, Leslie Jones. Um, it's it's not good. There's things about it that are good, and I think there are things that are interesting, stylistically speaking. But there's been kind of this trend with like women's humor, and I think that the it, the fault lies with Bridesmaids, which is a pretty good movie. It's funny, um, in my opinion. In my opinion, in my humble no, opinion. No, I, I think about bridesmaids uh, going to this new Brazilian restaurant and also trying on dresses. <laughs> I think about that weekly. It's, it's maybe the more, most funny sequence of events I've mm-hmm. ever seen in a, in a film. So, yeah, yeah so, I get it. So that was a very funny movie. But I feel like, because a lot of the, the, hum- the humor tone of that film was like all of the women were kind of silly you know like this is not like real people are in this movie at all there's no like none of those people i mean they maybe exist but they were just like we're all like really weird and quirky and all of these like crazy things are happening it was it was funny but like they it's it's like a lot of female like female-led comedy movies now Mm -hmm. are doing that exact same thing when it's not really necessarily like the tone that should be setting and a lot of i've noticed a lot of female comedians are doing kind of like oh we're like the funniness like comes from like we're so quirky and funny and gross and you don't like really see cleverness as much i think in a lot of female comedic performances and movies and you don't like you don't see as much of like because one of my favorite comedy types um is like kind of the sarcastic almost like daria sort of like it's a super sarcastic dry joke like you don't see that as much anymore and i was curious about your opinion like if you feel like that's true or not well maybe a a portion of that is that uh judd apatow and um oh todd phillips the guy who did uh the hangover Mm -hmm. is that uh the hangover an old school and forty year old virgin, and uh, uh, there's another one in there. Anyway, or a lot of the Will Ferrell stuff mm-hmm. is that there is on top of uh, Ghostbusters having a lot of uh, SNL alum in it. Yeah. Is that I think that's just where big mainstream comedies are uh especially anything that gets like any kind of a stand-up special that gets a lot of pub it's generally going to be get a lot of pub because it is either wildly divisive like uh oh what's her name from australia that did uh, uh rebel wilson nope um oh i can't remember her name but Basically, she scolded an audience for an hour, and and in thirty minutes, I can't think of the uh, the name. But 
uh, unless it's widely divisive like that, it's either it's it's going to be played towards like a four quadrant audience, which is like lots of gross out humor and mm-hmm. and people being quirky. Because there's no like what you're saying is almost no different from the four guys in the Hangover. Oh yeah, yeah. It's almost no different from uh, almost any uh, Will Ferrell ensemble an ensemble ensemble uh, comedy. There's um, it's really just more of the same. I don't think that's necessarily an issue with. Uh, female com- female led mm-hmm. comedies because there are a lot of funny movies that play at our local independent theater mm-hmm. that have almost nothing in common with uh, the stuff that you're seeing i think i think i think your complaint is completely valid in that it feels like a lot of mainstream box off you know mm-hmm. comedies are dumb and gross and cor- filled with a quirky cast of characters and, and i'm not saying that you shouldn't have that like because like i just said like bridesmaids was hilarious but i find particularly with with few exceptions like when women are playing off of a guy in comedic like they're usually like the straight man sort of like they're not funny like they're either played off as like sort of naggy or like trying to keep the guy in line and you don't really see that so much in like female comedies you know what I mean? There's not like really that, like st- sort of straight man characters so much. I hear you. I think you just might be in a in a particular, not bubble, but like you might be in a particular media lane mm. on your on your on your diet, because go to go to Netflix and just go to independent comedies and just go through anything See, I'm usually in the independent horror movies as you know so. which is which is a <laughs> fantastic place to be cuz I do love people just going for it. Yep. But in the independent comedies you'll you'll find something like um oh nothing child or uh I immediately say that I can't think of very many uh films but you'll find a lot of stuff by a lot of people that do, they say alt work, but pretty much all stand-up comedy is alt work nowadays. Mm-hmm. Uh, that is dark, somewhat subversive. Mm-hmm. Um, they okay, might be, I, uh, I will go down that route and then we can you know, talk about it. Yeah, um, check it out. Uh, mm-hmm. Check it out. Try it out. I, I think maybe the problem like with my viewing habits too is because you know I watch a lot of horror, a lot of sci-fi. When I do branch over into comedy, like I'm sure it's mostly just well, the things that I, I do like dark comedies a lot though. I mean I mean imagine it like you would treat it like a toy box and you just start at the top and the things that are at the top are bridesmaids mm. and ghostbusters <laughs> so like it once you i mean because i don't want you to stop because i think you should have i think everybody should have a, a diverse media diet and they should have diversity even within the the mm-hmm. niches that they go into so yeah so you decide to jump in, into comedy um i've made it like so this year i've, I've tried to make um uh, uh, jumping into romance films or films about Love, oh yay! Love. I actually do watch a lot of romance romance stuff, <laughs> but I'm also trying to stay. What generally is try to stay. Away. I'm trying to force feed myself quality, and I say that with quotation marks. Romance mm-hmm. stuff and stories about adults falling in or out of love, and um, 
So oh, see, uh, I like to watch stupid Hallmark movies too. <laughs> yeah, no. So I was about to say, so I'm cutting out the Hallmark movies for for now. I've seen a million. Trust me, of the the 25 days of Christmas or the Christmas like, um, prints or whatever. The Christmas in July. Yeah. yeah. No, I'm. Yeah, I've I've seen all oh, of they're those. They're so bad. They're so terrible. <laughs> so like I'm, I'm, you know, I'm talking about like Carol and the Big Sick and oh yeah, um, yeah. Blue Valentine. And have you ever seen Risk Cutters, a love story? Yes, that was like that's one of my <laughs> that is my entry into um like independent film stuff. Oh, really? Yeah, so, that's a good movie. Yeah, I Risk Cutters, a love story, stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, and 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 go from there. The uh, so. I would say this is my. I, I would say that it would be worth your time to uh, go through essentially the record crates of of comedy and mm-hmm. see if you see if you can't not correct, but like if your opinion changes on the types of comedy that are because it sounds to me because you, you're making opinions that sound a lot like the people that we hate that women aren't funny and all these movies are the same. Mm-hmm. And while some of the movies might be funny, they definitely do seem to be very samey at, at a at a very and, cursory glance. And I think that was the biggest problem with the Ghostbusters movie is it was going too much like Bridesmaids when it really needed to be. Because the, the original Ghostbusters movies, if I could say, were not like that type of humor at all. Like... Because they they treat it, it was they were definitely comedies, but like it was like that kind of like we're treating this like as more of a serious issue, and like, you know, I don't know. To, to that, I would ask you: When was the last time that you? This is one of those that I'm. Have you watched Ghostbusters as a fully fledged adult? Yeah, I okay. went to the the Circle Cinema, our local art Ooh, house fancy. cinema, to uh, watch Ghostbusters. I think Ghostbusters is just as silly as any movie that's ever been made, especially considering the cast. Mm-hmm. It just looks serious. I guess that's true. Like I, the the new Ghostbusters movie, things were like the ghosts were like more cartoony. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, Slimer is an exception, of course, but they I think that the ghosts looked much more scary in the original Ghostbusters, if I could say. Oh yeah, like Ab- absolutely. Like that that one like old lady who like kidnaps the child in Ghostbusters too. Yeah, all of that or, stuff is practical too. Yeah. So yeah. I, I, you can say, hey, you makes a little bit of a practical better than all practical is better than all CGI. Oh, Perfect yeah. worlds mixture of both. But did you I know, tell you I watched The Abyss again? Um, so we watched as the an movie adult, yeah. Under, Underwater not too long ago. Is it you watched The Abyss because you watched Underwater? underwater? Yeah, uh, yeah. That movie is so amazing for 1989. It is. It is like the most mind blowing. Whoever's listening, go watch The Abyss. It came out in 1989, and you'll swear it came out. Fr- friends, go watch. Go watch. I almost want to. I bet that movie. Uh, I would actually love to watch that on the big screen. Like I would love for our local independent theater, The Circle. It's good. Oh, yeah. Would uh, would show that because kind of like whenever I saw Blade Runner, mm-hmm. uh, the director's cut, the last director's cut. Uh, <laughs> On the big screen, it's like this movie is fantastic, and now I I truly understand why it stood the test of time, especially whenever it wasn't considered good when it first came out. Oh yeah, yeah, because it's a, a aesthetic feat. It's oh, it's a, amazing looking. Yeah. yeah, and I and I bet if you watched the, the Abyss, 
with a huge movie screen on opening mm-hmm. night in a dark theater than uh like the the part the part where the they put the helmets on it's like just breathe yeah just breathe just oh, breathe that, I, that's just terrible. just thinking about that gives me anxiety um, um i feel like we've definitely given people enough homework and oh, unless, yeah. unless you have another abyss thing to oh, say oh no i was i was just going to say um i watched alien it was, as you know especially from the last podcast alien is like one of my favorite movies mm. i watched that in the theater and i was just like oh this is this is the greatest all right, before we get out of here, this is a thing that I discussed with Tyler. That uh, I, re- I read an article not too long ago that um, a portion of why a lot of the properties that we consider like foundational, especially like scary stuff, mm-hmm. like Alien and, and Michael Myers, uh, a lot of a lot of big time horror, is because those things were transferred from they didn't make it to DVD first. They mm-hmm. didn't they didn't make it to Blu-ray first. They made it to tape. And a lot of people saw a lot of these things. Oh, Tyler and I were talking about it. Yeah, yeah. And the visual fidelity of televisions back in the day or of tapes on those televisions back in the day and the cropping that was used to make um, uh, films full screen on TV Mm -hmm obscured so much visual data of yep. of the screen is that whenever the alien that you knew was there the clown that was in the shadows instead of it being like a dark hallway it was nothing yeah and uh these images like jumping out and scaring you are like you know and, and instead of like witnessing a house that you are um you know like your lens is supposed to be of the character now now you are just inside the movie getting mm-hmm. scared by the alien or, or clown or or, or or slasher or whatever and uh i i kind of i i wish we could have that back yeah i don't know that's just that's just a thing okay all right well yeah. Thanks for joining us. Yeah, uh thank you for joining us. Hopefully next week will be less boring. I don't know. We'll see. Uh, catch us on all the places where you get podcasts. Eventually, uh this will make it to iTunes and Spotify and all the places. So goodbye. Have a good good week.